Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast. I'm Khani Walshansky, your host, and this is my new exclusive series, Ordinary Moments Create Extraordinary Results. This is where I interview school leaders to share the real, the raw, and the messiness of what it takes to build and sustain a school of excellence. These stories highlight the transformation that's possible and an invitation to my upcoming event, the Summit of Excellence. As the world continues to be volatile, uncertain, and ambiguous, leaders continue to hunt for ways to build culture, hire and retain staff, and create profit and legacy within their center. The need to come together in person has never been greater. This event is for owners, directors, executives, high-level mentor teachers, VP of operations, and truly anyone that is on the leadership team and a stakeholder in the education of the children. This event is a co-creation experience that is highly focused on building your network and your skill set so you continue to learn how to lead within this climate and environment. We have a super high focus on experience and luxury, and we're excited for you to get to connect with other like-minded leaders. By listening into this series of Ordinary Moments, I hope that you walk away with true insights into what it takes to lead an extraordinary center. If you are a childcare owner or director who is a parent and raising, whether that's young kids or older kids or your kids already out of the house, this conversation is for you. This is for every parent who has wanted to create a business, build bigger dreams, give back, pursue their kind of real financial goals that they have, both financially connected to their vision, to their why and is bumped up against the ambition of these goals along with wanting to be there for their family. So if family is a high value for you, this conversation is going to shed a lot of light into choosing work-life integration, choosing both family and business. My guest today is Mandy Moore. She is the owner of Steadfast Academy in Pasadena, Texas. And in today's conversation, we really dig into a lot of the messiness and the behind the scenes around leadership as a parent. Mandy talks about her upbringing and how her parents, her dad and her mom were both her heroes in different ways when it came to work and family life. 
She talks around, uh, this is really interesting. She shares some scripts of how her and her husband navigate financial conversations and decisions together. Mandy talks about their specific home life structure and how they make decisions about where they spend their time and their money as business owners and as parents of three young children. This conversation is a rich with reflective questions, deep dive into what it really takes to consistently be in that pursuit of excellence. So I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Mandy Moore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ordinary Moments Create Extraordinary Results. This is the real, the raw, the messy, all of the routines and systems that really build and sustain excellence. And today's conversation is about the work-life integration, really understanding that choosing your family or choosing your business is not the only option. You could integrate both of your worlds, especially if family is one of your top two values. And my conversation today is with Mandy Moore. Mandy, thank you so much for being here with us. Yes, thank you for having me. So Mandy, I want to kick off our conversation with telling us just a little bit about your own upbringing, your own family experiences that really drove your decision to start this childcare company that you are currently owning and leading. I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, so I am privileged to have both of my parents who have been married for a very long time. So I know that sometimes that's not what people get, but I was super fortunate and super blessed to be raised in a fortunate household where we didn't struggle. We didn't have that. And to me, I always knew that was something I wanted to give to my kids. And my dad was a business owner. He owns his own construction business. And that was just something like I always admired to be like my dad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I felt like my dad was always work and my mom did all the fun stuff with us with softball and basketball and traveling and sports. And I think when I sat down and thought about childcare and my mom worked in a school district and I always thought like, I will never work with kids. Like, mm -mm, I will not do that. <laughs> I stepped foot in one day in a music class to sub because they had no subs and they were like, please just come. I was like, whatever, I'll come. And I fell in love with it. So it then began my journey of what do I want to do in life? And I always admired my dad and I always wanted to own my own business. And then with the love of kids that came along, my husband and I got married. We moved to, we were stationed in the Navy. So we moved to Hawaii. I started the whole childcare with younger children and fell in love when we came back to the States. I just said, this is what I'm going to do. But the only thing is, is I wanted to make sure I had a part of my mom and a part of my dad with me and I didn't want to give up anything. So now we have three beautiful kids and that's what we're working on. I love that. So you, you live in Texas now though. You don't, you grew up in Yeah, right. We're in, in Texas. So we're outside of Houston, between Houston and Galveston, close to the beach, close to the city. We live on a couple of acres, still privacy. I still have a small town fill, but that's where we're at. I love that. This is so interesting how you know, upbringing and the messaging that we hear from our leaders, our caregivers, really define so much of the decisions that we make later on in life, right? And this is why I'm so committed to Schools of Excellence and to the podcast and really understanding how teachers have this massive impact on the children that are in their care. So 
I love this piece where you shared that, you know, your dad was this real hero for you as someone who, you know, resembled work ethic and hard work and uh, providing for the family. And mom was this beautiful person who provided this emotional stability and this nurturing and this care. And you grew up saying, I want to be both of those people. I want to provide, and I also want to be this nurturing and empathetic person. So now let's peel back the onion, right? Because that sounds beautiful, but this yeah. is ordinary moments and the real, the raw, and the messy. Let's talk about some of those early stages. I know your kids are a little bit older now, and you know you don't have any infants, but talk to me about some of those infant and toddler years and what that really looked like as a business owner. So when my oldest was an infant toddler, you know, I was just the director of the school. I, you know, really struggled with all of the hours that it takes to put in. And even though she was here with me every day, I felt like, okay, I'm missing out on, on so much. And, you know, I was having that conversation of we, I want to do better. I want to do more. I want to do better opening up the business in the younger years, like since we've been a business owner, so our youngest son is three now and we've owned the business for roughly three years. We bought it right after I had him. And it's been such a different experience just taking that mom time to, I don't know, I think as an owner, I really sit here and I really enjoy every piece of it. You know, I get to not only raise him in the way that I want him to be raised, but I get to influence his teachers. And that has been something that I love, like just as a parent perspective and as an owner, it's like the best of both worlds. You know, it's like having that influence on both of them. I love that. I love that. So let's talk about, you know, you said you were the director. Let's talk about this transition from being the person who is responsible for every result, uh, for driving every single result that happens in the organization, for running the day-to-day -day operation, to becoming the person that is coaching for results and managing the performance. How did you start to create that transition? For me, it was just a lot of conversations. So it was putting the right people in the right spots and playing to everybody's talents. Like, I am big on this in our personal life and in our professional life is surround yourself by people that know more than you. I feel like as an owner, I don't have to know everything. That's not my job. It's not my job as a parent to know everything. It's not my job as an owner to know everything. It's my job to surround myself with people that will help me and support me and understand my vision and get me there. All of these things always sound amazing, right? When we're listening to someone's podcast or we're listening to someone's story and it's like, wow, you know, I want that. And even though I know the steps to get there or whatever it is, there's so much self-doubt and conversation in our own minds that happen as we try to relinquish that control, let go of those things. Because again, this is something that is near and dear to our hearts, not just because of the why and our mission, but because this business provides for our family. This business takes care of who we are as a family and what, what we're trying to create in this world. So the stakes couldn't be higher. And this is one of the reasons of why owners struggle to let go, to delegate to their teams. But for you, family is such a high anchor as a mom of three children. How did that anchor start to create that ability for you to delegate and, and hire and give to the team more responsibility? 
I think that it actually happened one day when my daughter was like, hey, are you, you know, are you going to come to this school play? And to me, whatever it was, it wasn't anything big. It was just like a rehearsal. It wasn't a big deal, but it was all the other moms are doing it or all the other dads are doing it or whatever, you know? And that's where I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm choosing one above the other. And I always said that I would never do that in my life. So that's where hard conversations started happening between me and my husband of how do we financially, you know, kind of take a cut in our business because we're going to hire somebody else to do these things. And was it worth it? And hands down, we both agree. It's absolutely worth it because owning a business was more about being with my family and inspiring others than making money by any means of any day. So that's where the messy comes in though. It was really taking it and going, okay, I have this person and I have this person and it's been letting people go. It's people have come, people have gone. And still to this day, we, you know, it's a struggle. Every day is that struggle of finding, am I maintaining? Do I have the right people in place? And if I don't, what conversation do I have to have? And I think having those hard conversations frees up your mental space at home. You know, you don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning worrying about, oh, crud, I wish I would have said. It's just having that confidence to do it and let it go. So I have conversations all the time with owners, whether they're current clients or, you know, prospective clients. And a conversation I get all the time is, well, my husband runs the financials or he is responsible for X, Y, and Z, and I need to have a conversation with him. And here is something that nobody talks about. How does that conversation pan out for you? You know, what ends up happening over there, right? Just the real conversation with a partner about money, about something that you think is super important to invest in, whereas your husband sees something from a completely different perspective. If you're comfortable, I would love if you could share a little bit insight into that. Yeah, like we we actually go through this every year in December. <laughs> you know, this is like the big talk. I think for Weldon and I, it's just setting the tone at first, like, hey, we're going to have this conversation. It doesn't matter where we've spent money, wasted money, whatever you want to think about it in the past. Let's talk about the future and what we can do investing wise. And we really look at it as like, what is the return on the investment? But we take our values with that, you know, as a business owner, if you don't want to make money, you're not a business owner. So you have to understand that is an integral part of your business. Those were conversations that he's had to have with me. Like, yes, you want this grand and glorious X, Y, and Z, but reality of it is, is we're a business and we have to make sure that we're providing for our family. So that's the two things that we do. Like, how does it affect our business and how does it affect our family? So if that means to do the certain project, we can financially afford it, but it means I'm going to spend 10 extra hours a week at work, we start prioritizing, is that worth it? A little bit of a backstory maybe, but my husband actually drives tow boats. So that means he is gone 20 days out of the month. So for 10 days, he is home for 20 days, he stays on a boat, he sleeps on a boat, eats on a boat, showers on a boat. So the kids don't get to see him. So when we're talking about money and projects and what we want to do, we really take into account 
does this take 20 days or does it take 40 days? Because if it takes 40 days, those 10 days we typically have with you are not there anymore. So that's how we kind of come up with decisions and values. We respect each other in a sense of, you know what the company needs. You are the expert in that. We come as a family to say, financially, what are we, what do we need? What do we want? And what can we give up? And what do we not compromise on? I love this filter of how you really use the lens of family values. And this is why values are so nuanced and contextual to a specific family, because your family infrastructure is we are together as a family 10 days a month, whereas another family might have something completely different. And this is why knowing the right questions to ask, the filters that you're working through, and knowing how to navigate these conversations, ensure that you are both happy with the decision that ends up being made. And you're not leading from a place of people pleasing or placating or niceness, but to have the courage to say, I really need this, or this is really important to me. Because, you know, Brene Brown has the best quote, temporary discomfort over long-term resentment. Take a little bit of discomfort over the long-term frustration and resentment that comes along with it. So I appreciate you sharing insight into that. Do you ever feel like sometimes that you're like the mother hen for your center and you need to show people what to do and show them how to do it and walk them through each step of the way? This is normal. And we want to shift that to really empower team to embrace what I call the bridge method, which are the six very specific skills that staff and leadership team need to be consistently trained, coached, and mentored on to be able to up-level to truly sustain excellence in their organization. And the bridge is an acronym for boundaries, creating really great interpersonal and personal boundaries, relational intelligence, understanding how to have conversation with parents, with other key stakeholders, with one another, and lean into those difficult conversations, Individual advocacy, being able to say what you want and knowing what you want and being able to clearly articulate what you want and not expecting the owner or the leader to anticipate every single one of your needs. Discernment, being able to understand and discern when do I need to come to the owner for this and when do I need to have the permission to just do this on my own. Generosity not leading from a place of a zero-sum game, but showing up from a place of generosity and benevolence for the team. And lastly, emotional regulation. Understanding how to regulate our emotions before we go into conversation or while we're in conversation with other people. And so the bridge method is what I'm gonna be teaching at the Summit of Excellence live and in person in Florida, along with some other amazing speakers like Vernon Meeson and Beth Cannon and Kathy Petchel and Scott Weeman. These people are gonna be coming here to support, to create and deliver incredible content. And we're looking forward to greeting all of our guests that are gonna be joining us in the Lakeside Terrace on March 1st and 2nd. If you're interested in signing up and registering for this incredible experience, and I hope you do check it out if it's a right fit for you, go check out schoolsofexcellence.com slash summit or click the link in the show notes. Let's talk about some of the ordinary moments that 
in those 10 days, you guys get to experience as a result of you delegating, letting go, taking time to invest in yourself, taking time to become the leader that you are today. What are those beautiful, ordinary moments? Yeah. So we actually have a lot of them. So one thing that is like every month in our calendar, my husband and I have a date day. So it means I don't work, you know, we don't do any extra projects. We go and we're without the kids and we just have a date day. We don't always talk about anything that's important. That's not what it's for. It's just reconnecting and making sure that we're still on the same page, but there's no hard conversations that happen on date day. So that's our rule. Another thing. So we plan trips. We do a lot of, I mean, I'm leaving on the 27th of this month and I'm going for three or four days. We're going to Tennessee. We're going to a mountain and we really just spend that quality time. He'll come get one of the kids from school and they have, you know, daughter, daddy, son, daddy. And then I do the same. So those are times, you know, when he's at home, I am the only one who takes my daughter to gymnastics. I don't have siblings with me. So it is our time in the car to spend to say, this is a connection time with this child one-on-one. And we do that with each of them. So we really use those 10 days to, to make those family connections and to learn more about our kids and what are their needs. Because I think often as parents, we only think about ourselves and what we need or the financials or this is how we're going to get to and from. And we forget that they have needs too. So that's one of our things that we really focus on is what do they need in the moment? So that's kind of, I don't know. We have a lot of ordinary moments though. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it just happened to be Christmas. So like my husband and my son sat the other day and they made their catapult truck while the girls and I made I don't know, we did a loom project, you know, so those are just ordinary moments that we plan for, you know, they're, they're in my calendar, it's written down and work knows I'm, I'm not opening up a computer, a laptop, I'm, I'm not taking a quick message. This is my time for them. I love the last piece that you just said, I'm not taking a quick message. The disruption of really creating this work-life integration of being there for family and for business really gets distorted from the quick message because you're not multitasking. The bottom line is your brain gets pulled to a different planet. Your, depending on the message, your heart rate goes up, your brain gets completely uh, displaced you start running through hypothetical scenarios and now you've lost the present moment with this child. And I think just if, if you walk away with one thing from today's episode, there's no quick message. There's no such a thing. Every message is going to pull your time, your focus, attention, your heart, your soul. It's going to pull you, Um, especially as you move through higher levels of leadership, those quick messages are actually really important decisions that need to be made. And I love that you said you create these beautiful boundaries. I'm with my child. We're creating this loom together. I'm with my son. We're having a chit chat and I'm not going to check for the quick message. I'm not going to intentionally pull myself into that rabbit hole. So that's beautiful. Yeah. And like, I really love like what you said. And I think that people need to understand this is even though you read the message and you don't do anything about it, your brain does. Boom. 
And that's what I hope people get from this is, yes, it, it was three seconds reading the message that was sent to you. But in reality, you are going to spend night and day thinking about that until you take care of it. And that's what I, I hope people take away is just don't look at it. <laughs> Do not disturb is the best thing on your phone. Just don't look at it. It's okay. Yeah. How did you develop this practice of not looking, not checking, not being tempted for the quick message? It's a practice. It's yeah. not It's not a, I finally arrived there. I never check messages again. Mm-hmm. We always get these little trip up moments that want to lure us back in. What is your practice? So my practice is do not disturb. So <laughs> I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this on a podcast where other people hear, but I have people that are my favorites that if they call, we will always pick up. It does not matter, you know, and honestly, I have one person on my favorites and it's my husband oh. and I don't have parents or siblings or anybody else. It's my husband. I really use that feature. If I don't want to talk to you, I don't have it where messages come through. His text message will not even come through on my phone. It will not ding me. It's only your phone call. And that was really, it was a practice. It it took some time, but you can schedule it on your phone where you don't even remember that it comes on now. So that would be like one of my biggest things is if you know every night I eat dinner at six o'clock, Go to your phone, schedule, do not disturb from six to seven. And no matter what, it you're not going to know. So for those of you that are technically challenged, um, there are tutorials on how to create the do not disturb. It's like the sleep option. And then there's also a way to turn off all notifications. So my phone never bings when I check a message is because I've intentionally gone into that app feature to look at the messages. My phone never beeps, never dings, never pings, never does any of that because I'm human. And by human nature, when you hear the ding, you want to respond. So Remember that environment is a massive role in you being the person that you want to be and living in alignment with your values. And if your values are family and being present with the people that you love, well, then the environment of your phone pinging and buzzing and dinging in your pants doesn't live in congruence with being present, right? This is what I mean by the small moments and those small choices of no pings, because when I'm here, I need to be here. Mm-hmm. You've made these beautiful intentional choices. You've created firm and kind boundaries. Tell us a little bit about some of the breakthroughs or some of the grief associated with not seeing what's going on there, not being part of every decision, not responding immediately. Cause that happens. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> um, at the beginning, I felt like People were aggravated. People thought I didn't care. They made assumptions of who I was as a person or who I was as a business owner. Like, oh, you're a new business owner, but now you're not going to do these things. And as a director, you did these things. So, I mean, even within your your family life, you know, well, I asked you about the Christmas pajamas and it took you, you know, three hours to answer me and now I'm not doing it anymore. So I think that it, it led to a lot of hard conversations and a lot of people still not understanding why this is important to us. But it's also led into those beautiful moments of people going, hey, if she doesn't pick up the phone, it's on do not disturb. And that means she's in the middle of something. She's doing something 
with her kids or something that's valuable or she's sleeping because people usually think I'm just sleeping, which I love that. I love that people think I sleep all the time because it's the best thing ever. When really I, I, I don't, <laughs> but I like that. That's just what they think, you know? So it was hard at first. There was a lot of grief associated with it. And there were a lot of kind of so-called friendships that have kind of gone, you know, but I realized then it was more about always needing advice or fixing a problem or doing this or doing that, that really weighed a lot of stress on me. And now that I say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm happier. And my kids are happier. My husband's happier. I mean, it's a ripple effect to happiness. You know, if you're around somebody miserable, you become miserable. If you're around somebody happy, you're generally happier. So I think the grief in that came at the beginning stages of, oh my goodness, I just missed my mom's phone call. What if? But then it's also having those conversations to say, hey, if I miss your phone call, I will call you back. Or if it's really important, please call me twice because you are allowed to come through if it's twice, but then it's getting them to respect that boundary. So there was a little grief and there were hard conversations of, okay, you called, that's not, that's not what I think of as an emergency. That is your definition. That is not mine. Let's be on the same page. And now that we've been doing this for several, several months, it works out. It's beautiful now. But the grief and the struggle to get there, it's hard. You have to be willing to say, these are my core values and these are my non-negotiables. There's so much to unpack in what you shared here because there's a real grounded confidence within yourself to know that you're not going to sever the relationship with your mom if you put this boundary in place, right? Because you're speaking with dignity. You're speaking with respect. You're not speaking from a place of insecurity or shaming or anger or whatever it is. And that takes a lot of emotional maturity to understand mama isn't going anywhere or never going to talk to me again because I didn't answer her first call at 11 o'clock in the morning. And that is the journey. That is the deep work of recognizing that, you know, I joke all the time. Mayor's whole family knows that mayor and I go to sleep early, like by 930, 10 o'clock at the lead us, we're sleeping. And there's always activity going on at the family chats. And we're up at six o'clock. And that's when we check the family. We're like, oh, look, everyone was talking. There's 78 messages here. You know, everyone was chit-chatting last night. And there's still sometimes FOMO associated with that. Where it's like, oh, I wish I was part of the conversation. I'm like, well, you can add your 10 cents now, you know, and everyone will respond in 20 hours from now when they wake up. But this is the time zone that we operate from, you know, and Mayor's parents have learned to respect that boundary also. Like if they want to talk to him, you got to call him before nine o'clock because after nine, our phones are off. Like this is when we're a family, when we're a couple, our kids are sleeping before nine. So let's kind of bring everything home full circle, you know. We spoke about you wanting to be the provider, the joyful person, the person that brings all the people together. We spoke about boundaries, the difficult conversations that you have with your partner around financials and making those value-based decisions. You're really living in integrity and in alignment with who you are now. And yet, even in those moments, there's always that layer deeper. There's always that kind of next step that we want to go to. And I'd love if you can kind of share a little bit for what's next for you, right? You have three beautiful children. Your youngest is three. You're still raising your babies right now, right? What is the next phase of this work-life integration look like for Mandy? Our next phase, we, I mean, we actually talk about this, but 
we would love to open up a second school. The ultimate goal is more than just a second school, but it's to actually bring my husband off of the boat. So we are working on, you know, it's kind of like our five-year plan, but we're working on having that where we feel comfortable with saying, you know what, we can let go of one income until we, we do something else with our family. So we have a lot of thoughts of what we want to do and how we want to do it. But those are kind of our next step is we want him home more. We don't want the 10 days. We want to have to plan 30, 31 days. We don't want to just plan 10 for family. So those are our ultimate goals. What's beautiful is that when you set this intention, you can actually create the plan, right? And then the discipline of knowing that it doesn't happen in a month and it doesn't happen in six months. And I think that's a practice. You know, we did another whole episode here about delayed gratification and when is enough enough and remembering to set mile markers for big audacious goals and you will 100% get there. Like I have... 100% confidence that you'll be able to retire your husband and bring him um, into the business or, or, you know, whatever ends up happening. So I think that's beautiful. What is something that, you know, for the people that are listening, whether they have young children, you know, teenagers, you know, out of the house, what can people reflect on as they listen to your story and they're connecting with, you know, I want more time or I want to be able to do this also, or that's something that I, you know, aspire to be like. What are some things they can think about and journal on, maybe reflect on? Yeah, so I I think it depends on what stage they're in currently. So I think if they're at the beginning stages and they're kind of just like in survival, I really encourage them get a calendar and don't have a work calendar and a home calendar. It doesn't work. You have one (laughs) calendar. You are one person. And for a long time, I struggled with that. It was like, okay, this is what I do in my home hours. This is what I do in my work hours. Like, no, that's that you're one person. You have one calendar, you're one person. If you're already really good with that, I think it's really what are your top two or three core values? What do you want to filter every decision based off of? And that's going to kind of lead you into, okay, if my core values for me, one of them is family. It's one of my biggest ones then it's what tips and strategies can I do to ensure that these happen? So if sure. I say I'm going to do a, a date day with my kids, or if I say from seven to eight o'clock, it is no phone, what can I do and actually commit to doing it? I think if you're wanting like a journaling or if you're prompting, I kind of would challenge you, see how many distractions you really have like, <laughs> within just like three days, like three days and actually take the moment to reflect, take the moment to reflect on what did I really miss or how long did that distraction really take me? Because I think until you really track that you have no clue, you, you just don't, you don't realize how much it happens. And how much brain space and capacity those distractions pull from your core values to go back to that, you know, top three to five values. Mandy, this conversation has been so insightful. I just appreciate you letting us take a lens into your life, into the decisions that you've made and the journey that you've been on. Um, And thank you so much for being here with us. Yes, thank you for having me. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Ordinary Moments and take a couple minutes to pause and self-reflect on how this really might impact you, your family, and the center. 
So I also want to share that the Summit of Excellence is very fast approaching. It's going to be held on March 1st and 2nd, 2022, right here in Florida. And sometimes we like to know what have some previous attendees shared? What is really going to be the impact on my center? What has the ROI been? How is it really taken into account leadership skills and long-term impact of culture and really creating profit and legacy within the organization? So take a listen into what some of our attendees have had to say about our past events. You have to be willing to jump in with both feet. You have to do the work. This is not easy, but if you do that, you will have such amazing results that you have never seen in doing anything or trying anything on your own. It is truly the best thing that I could have done for my business. It's always difficult. It's never easy. It's always like, oh, I have to look inward. If I'm here and I'm serious and I put the money in to, to attend the event, um, I definitely have to do that work. Yeah, I had questioned, you know, the investment piece and not having a huge budget at our school, but I would, there has never been uh, a doubt in my mind that it was um, very powerful and it was, like I said, exactly what I needed. The return on investment is in, number one, my mental and, you know, emotional state. Just in six months, the return on my investment, I, I can't even... I don't even know the words to put to that because it is worth every single penny. The Summit of Excellence is truly an experience for the school leader who wants to drive more impact in their community, be inspired by a network of peers, deliver high quality care to the children, and build a team of leaders. So if you are even a little curious about this event after all the stuff that you've been hearing about it, and you are looking to connect with someone and have a personal conversation, then we have some contact information for you right here in the show notes. You'll be able to connect with someone from my team or myself for you to understand more. Is the Summit of Excellence right for you? Is it right for your team? Is it right for your center? Sometimes we just need to have that conversation with someone to alleviate our concerns, to be able to ask those questions about how it makes sense for you. And I totally understand it, right? This event is capped at 100 people. It's a curated experience. We want to make sure that if you are the right fit, you're in this room and making sure that we're really creating this experience for you and for all the attendees that are going to join us. So if you'd like to connect with myself or the team, please click the link in the show notes for more contact information. And I look forward to connecting with you. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us.
Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.